0: Playoffs? You're talking about playoffs in August? Yes, we are. We're talking about the playoffs in August before the season even starts. Because in best ball, that's where all the money is won. And I think it gets a little misconstrued how we should handle the playoffs. What kind of players do we target? How do we construct our teams to optimize for the playoffs? Maybe what games are more important for the playoffs? What types of players should we target to give ourselves the best shot at two million, one million, hundreds of thousands of dollars come January first in twenty twenty three when the season wraps up. That is what we're gonna talk about today. I don't know why, but the um <clears throat> the Jim Mora playoff clip, maybe it's my my age, my generation. That that play that playoff clip will forever be one of the the few sports quotes that I will absolutely never, never, ever forget in the picture of him. Everything, everything is just perfect. And it's perfect for what we're talking about today, too. With the best ball playoffs, I think the playoffs are something. Now, I'm. It's going to trigger me every time I say the word playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> the The playoffs are something that gets a little, like it's maybe misconstrued as to you know what it even really means for these these best ball tournaments and it's a little bit difficult to kind of convey specifically what what role the playoffs play in how we draft teams and you know how we construct our entire portfolio maybe how we rank players and we'll get into kind of all of that today the f- the first thing is making sure that people really truly understand Like when we say, when anyone says, when I say that all the money is won in the playoffs, it's obviously a little bit of hyperbole because there is money not won in Week 17. But on Underdog and on DraftKings, there's very little money that you care about not distributed in that final week and so when people talk about I'm playing to advance I just want to get as many teams through that that thesis generally makes sense right you will hear someone say not me but you will hear someone say I'm just trying I'm just trying to get as many teams into the playoffs and then that's my way to To get as many shots to see if I can make the finals. And while theoretically that might make logical sense when you say that out loud, the problem is that I don't specifically know what that mindset is doing differently than, than say I am, or probably anyone that is listening to this channel that is a little bit more focused on taking down the top prize and, and, Thus, the playoffs. You might hear someone say, "Oh, uh, I, I draft a little bit more three quarterbacks, or three tight ends, or um, maybe maybe I draft a little more early running backs, right? Because I need those running back early season points." the The problem and the counter to that is drafting more quarterbacks is drafting more of a position where you only start one. And it's a generally flatter and more projectable scoring with less injuries. And so all you're really doing is elevating your floor a a little bit. And even then it has to kind of, the scores have to align, right? It's funny because um, the winner of Best Ball Mania 2 last year, Liam Murphy at Chess Liam, won with a two-quarterback team that had Josh Allen and Justin Fields, which is both the epitome of this idea of raising your floor and advance rate with three quarterbacks, being a little bit of a myth, because you saw, like, if if you just have reasonable quarterback play, obviously Josh Allen's much more than reasonable. He's the quarterback one. If you have good quarterback play, the other guy doesn't matter. So now drafting three, you say, well, I'm guaranteeing myself a little bit better shot at good quarterback play. But it's also more projectable. We generally know what we're gonna get out of Tom Brady and what we're gonna what we were gonna get out of Matthew Stafford last year, generally speaking. Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. We generally know what we're gonna get out of those guys. And so b- attaching um Kenny Pickett, attaching Ryan Tannehill, et cetera, onto that team. I'm 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 not sure that it's helping your advance rate too much. And I, I also don't think it's necessarily helping in the playoffs. And that's because you can also help your advance rate with those extra skill players. Running back, probably running back especially, but running back wide receiver both, right? So instead of taking that third quarterback in the 15th round or 16th round, you take another flyer That gives you another shot at a good skill player. And a good skill player can fit your spot, can fit your starting lineup, excuse me, in multiple more spots than with the flex. And then, obviously, with three wide receivers, two running backs in your starting lineup, can fit your starting lineup at multiple more positions. What's more impactful, finding Eli Mitchell in the last round last year, taking James Conner in the 10th round? getting getting three or four spike weeks out of Alexander Madison, getting Daryl Henderson before Cam Akers got hurt, is that more impactful? Or is, you know, uh, Zach Wilson? <laughs> and I don't dislike Zach Wilson this year at all, but I don't think it's necessarily helping your advance rate. Then on the other side is tight end. Tight end is the lowest scoring position. And so I do take Three tight end teams. I've written quite a bit about three tight end teams. But it's more so looking for different ways to leverage the field in tournaments. It's not necessarily looking for the advance rate. And so there's this idea that it has to be one or the other with playoffs, focusing on playoffs and focusing on week 17 and focusing on upside or focusing on advance rate and and such. And then the final thing with that is you get the running back position. People might say, well, you can't take, I don't, I don't take zero running back because it has lower advance rates, which I don't think is super true. Generally speaking, a it's those, those types of advance rate conversations are going to fluctuate from year to year and years old data is not very relevant to the the current year. We don't need to get into all that, but um, there's a little bit of, you know, issues in the sample that happens with those but the other thing is that from an advancing perspective one of the riskiest things you can do is actually to take a running back early (laughs) which sounds crazy right i need running backs i need the early running back points you know the running backs can be the game changers in in tournaments if you hit on jonathan taylor if you hit on christian mccaffrey if you hit on um what old Le'Veon bell etc if you hit on those guys they're game changers in tournaments, but the problem is to find them, you have to wade through 10, 20, 25 uh, total running backs, and a lot of those guys are going to bust. The wide receivers, think, think, think to last year, even Derrick Henry bust because he got hurt, right? Christian McCaffrey bust. Um, thinking out loud, Saquon huge bust, <laughs> right? These guys just get hurt at a frequent level, and they're so tied to their offensive situation that you can much more easily bust with them. The wide receivers like Ceedee lamb was not very good, but he was certainly not worth a late second round pick or a two, three turn pick given his production, but he was fine. He was putting up points for you all year. He had some spikes and he, he, he was playing. All year round, it was really like just Allen Robinson, if you recall, like pretty much like just Allen Robinson. That was like a stone bust at the, uh, at the wide receiver position early, you know, and then Rob, like Robert Woods got hurt, but that was still, that that was a fourth round pick as opposed to, um, an early round pick Zeke bust, Right. So it's, it's one of those things where I wanted to touch on this idea of the playoffs, and being such a focus on the playoffs, is that we don't have to forego any of the other stuff. No one is saying, you know, don't draft a running back until the 14th round or whatever. No one is saying to do anything like truly that's harming your advance rate to a serious extent, right? You may, you may, you know, hear me joke about taking two tight ends on the same buy. And I technically that is hurting your advance rate. You're gonna lose a couple of points, probably, right? Five to ten points. But that's such small potatoes. And so this conversation about playoffs is really important because we can still make really well-structured teams that advance at a really high clip while maximizing our. Potential to win $2 million or a million dollars or, like I said, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the playoffs because we are focused on the right types of players, the right structure of teams, the right correlation. Um, uh, We'll get into contingent value and all those different things that should be the focus that can still be really high advancing teams. And I know that people have a, you know, there's always a lot of questions about the advancing and conversations about advancing versus playoffs and, and all of that. And I think my answer to that is, is why I wanted to talk about this. It's like both. <laughs> I am obviously focused on the playoffs, and I think everyone that's trying to win these tournaments should be focused on the playoffs. But that doesn't mean I'm not building teams that are set up to also advance. Um, so now that we've had the advance rate uh, uh, conversation, cj says i never draft three quarterbacks in tournaments rarely on drafters if i have no elite yeah um i wouldn't say i never do but it's very very rare for me um i think it's probably like after after a justin fields maybe tua or something like that there's not a lot of guys where that end my quarterback one end as my quarterback one where um I take three, but it does happen. It does. Sometimes the draft just, you know, it doesn't work out for you. You know what I mean? That does, that does, uh, that does happen. Derek says, does the analysis change if you take all three QBs late? So um, the analysis will always kind of change depending upon when you take, when you take players. But the, the counter is that taking all three quarterbacks late is certainly not helping your advance rate. The advance rate stuff would say you need a, an elite quarterback. It's the projectable position. You you don't want to – three late quarterbacks is still probably going to lose you points. It's definitely going to lose you upside, but it's – it's go- not definitely. Almost definitely. Probably going to lose you upside uh, on a weekly basis at the position. And you're just probably going to lose points now given what the the market is at quarterback, right? Josh Allen <laughs> – you can't really match Josh Allen's production with Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill, and Zach Wilson. and like I don't have a problem really it, in a vacuum with any of those three guys. I don't I have my late round quarterbacks I, I like and and we all do, but you're just it's just you, you can't match Lamar, Josh Allen, Mahomes, et cetera with with those late round guys. It it just, you know, it's nothing, it's not a knock on those guys. It's just kind of how, how, uh, how they score, how they score points. Um, this is funny. Tony, uh, said Zach Wilson was why he made the finals. And this is, it can be Zach Wilson was a shit. uh, He had a shit season, right? But sometimes just by the way scoring happens, this is obviously you won. uh, $975,000 $975,000 more than uh, Pete and I did. I think 25000 was the eighth place prize in Best Ball Mania 2. But we, we had Dak and Mac Jones as our two quarterbacks. Not especially great for their entire season. And we had tons of guys. We drafted Seedy and Keenan Allen at the 2-3 turn. Not great picks. Kyle Pitts, not awesome. We had Jamar Chase. But, like, we drafted a bunch of dudes who are just like, eh, Raheem Mostert, like, not very good. But when it just all kind of comes together, obviously, (laughs) uh, exaggerate, underselling Raheem Mostert, getting hurt in the first quarter of the first game, not very good. But, like, sometimes things all fall together, right? I mean, shit, Tony had uh, what Najee and Chubb right <clears throat> on, on your, your team. And now Najee was like good, but Najee didn't like blow, uh, the, the position out of the water and Chubb certainly didn't. But just when things all kind of work together in concert with each other on a team, you know, that's just part of the game. We, we can't predict exactly how the scores are going to all fold together. Um, and so that's like a little bit part of the difficulty, of like the advance rate thing. Uh, Again, Pete, Pete and I's team. We lost Raheem Mostert in, in the first in the first week. We got lucky with James Conner, and James Connor, Connor kind of helps carry us. We get a little Pollard here and there. We get Madison for a couple of weeks, and then um, Sony comes on, and then Penny comes on, and like it just kind of all happened to fall together, right? Conner kind of carries us to the close to the finish line, and then Sony and Devin Singletary and Penny and those guys take us across. You know, and it's like, if you look at the end of season ranks or whatever, it, Rashad Penny probably didn't even have a very good advance rate because he didn't do shit until the playoffs. You know, that type of thing. And so there's a little bit of of that variance. But when you're focusing on those right kinds of players for the structure that you're building and and just in general, that's how... That's how you win. No, no one would sit and no one would say that team that we built is um like a foregoing advance rate. We took an elite tight end, Dak was a borderline elite, elite quarterback. We had Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase. And then we had a, a combination of running backs, Raheem Mostert, early season value, and on the 49ers who we liked. James Connor on a good offense, kind of some standalone value and obviously had the contingent value. That's why he goes in the third round. Now this year, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. um, Who did I say? Rashad Penny, Devin Singletary, Sony, Michelle, Sony, Michelle, you know? So it's like, it's, we didn't forego any sort of advance rate. We took six running backs, you know? Um, But it also had the upside because, the, the, the first thing way before we even getting get into like kind of some of the specifics about the playoffs is I wrote this a, a while back and I wanted to bring it up and talk about it again is there are player types, archetypes of players and elements to how you construct that team that naturally just have more upside to them. Right? So, an example of a player who, you know, has risen a bunch. And I'm not saying that I'm right, wrong, whatever on this player, but I wasn't drafting Julio Jones. And there was a very strong chance, almost a lock, I guess you could say, that Julio would rise as soon as he signed somewhere. I knew that. I chose not to draft him. And I chose to draft basically like, a, I drafted a lot of zero running back teams, so I wasn't taking wide receivers in the 16th and 17th round. And B, I was targeting when I was, I was targeting the what, Wandale Robinson's, Alec Pierce, George Pickens, those types of players. Because Julio at his at his at his age, and with some of these other factors as you see here the three main kind of factors of the types of players i want to target as i construct my teams he doesn't really fit into any of those the contingent value thing is like he wasn't on a team at the time and so it's a little bit difficult to pinpoint if there is or isn't contingent value generally speaking the 33 year old guy um is is the guy who offers contingent value to his teammates as opposed to being the guy who you know soaks up contingent value however he definitely didn't have the youth aspect going for him. Right. Um, And, and I, he, we don't know if he had the contingent value. And then there also was really no correlation because he wasn't, because he wasn't on a team and just kind of all these different factors. He didn't fit into the type of player that I wanted to draft again, not saying that that is right, wrong, indifferent, whatever, but that was, uh, that was kind of my approach. And this conversation that we're having here is like, why I think there are certain types of players. When I only get 150 bullets into best ball mania three, certain types of players that I'm targeting. So those big three things are youth contingent value and, and correlation as uh, the, uh, the child in the room, you know, ears perked up when we started talking about youth. Shout out to Bullock. So, the 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 first thing is that that youthful element, right? There's a reason why last year this I I don't want to comp these two because I don't think Julio is this level of dust at all. <clears throat> but there's a reason why last year, like I wasn't I wasn't drafting AJ Green, right? AJ Green wasn't wasn't even really on the board for me, even in Cardinal stacks, because. Look, he had the opportunity for even the contingent value and potential correlation, but because of his archetype of this old declining, maybe even already fallen off the cliff wide receiver, there was just no element that would allow him to be a just a total smash in, in best ball, right? Older players, on average, are seeing the production decline. It's one thing that... Um, I hate the Patriots, Okay. I'm, um, for anyone that, that doesn't know, if you're listening, you probably already do know I'm from St. Louis. You see a lot of the St. Louis stuff in the back, you know, Cardinals, Blues, Darius Miles, et cetera. Um, and I was a diehard St. Louis Rams fan, right? Greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, guys, Bruce, all these guys, you know, like where I, that was my team, right? Even after, even into the Steve Spagnolo era and the Jeff Fisher era and all that. So the Patriots knocked the Rams off their pedestal and i hated them for it but the thing that even more so than just like the general greatness of the patriots that i respected the most was the fact that belichick and the whole team seemed to be out in front of this idea that we now should take into our best ball drafts crazy as it sounds they would get out ahead of the guy the aging star Right, they traded Richard Seymour for a first-round pick. He was in his prime. He's all-pro, first-team all-pro, pro bowler, superstar, defensive lineman. They got rid of him knowing that we might get out from underneath this too early. He might still be a first-team all-pro player this year. But we know because we understand what happens with aging players – It's just a matter of time before the production falls off the cliff. It could fall off the cliff like, you know, this whole season, right? A.J. Green just turned to dust two years ago, actually, on the Bengals. It was just over for A.J. Green, right? You watched him, and my God, I felt terrible for, you know, I mean, an absolute superstar wide receiver of my generation. And it just goes. No one can predict it. But it just happens. And so the Patriots were willing to get to trade these dudes in their primes because they knew that that cliff was coming. And they were willing to say, look, if I'm I'm wrong about it specifically happening right now, that's okay. I would rather get out early than hang on too long. And in general, the market of fantasy football hangs on too long because we're so tied to that past production. Right, A guy who I'm actively fading this year, even though he is still probably a, a quite a good football player and is on an offense I love and I'm extremely excited for is Keenan Allen. I love the Chargers. Justin Herbert is unreal. Staley is incredible. Very excited for the Chargers, just in general, not even just for fantasy. Defense looks good. O-line looks good. Everything. But Keenan Allen is this player. I, I don't know if he I don't know if it's gonna be this year. I don't know if it's gonna be the start of this year. But I know that the type of player that Keenan Allen is and the the gradual decline he's already been having is the type of player that is A, prone to fall off that cliff at any moment, and B prone to decline over the course of the season as opposed to ascent. Right? So I'm on Ra- I'm on Ross St. Brown. I had a couple things come, and we'll get to the contingent value because he's this perfect, he's this perfect commodulation of all three of these things. Um, honestly, a lot of the uh, guys who smashed last year were so that's interesting. But Amanra was the guy who was okay, you know, just kind of out there, little bit of production here and there for the first what eight eight to ten weeks of of the season, and then is the prototypical youthful. Rookie player who, as the season gets on, he gets more comfortable. You know, I, I don't, I'm, I've never played at the NFL level. I don't know what it is specifically about the rookie thing that players get better over the course of the season, but it's basically been proven to happen for many years now. And Amon is ascending, and then boom, no more Hawkinson, no more Swift. <laughs> Their receivers were already dust. And he has this perfect situation where he's coming on strong and he's got the contingent upside now because there's nobody else left on the left on the offense. And so that was kind of the second point here younger players on average have production improvements over the course of the season. Um, so you have these kind of polarizing you know uh, uh, polar ends opposite ends, whatever the hell word I'm looking for the opposite ends of the spectrum for the two types of players strictly because of this age thing. And you don't want to lump every single old player into, you know, there's nuance to all this stuff, but generally speaking, like when deciding between the 12th round player who is second year player is 22 years old, 23 years old, um, you know, maybe more unproven and choosing between the 30 year old guy who has a little bit, you know, of past production, generally speaking, we want to side with that that younger player if just looking at that that youth part then when we get to the, kind of this next step you have the contingent value thing which again amon ra benefited from right he like i said he was this perfect storm of all these different variables that just so happened to come to come together and the contingent value thing generally is a little bit more at the running back position right it's much more kind of binary at running back where right so Chris Carson gets hurt. It's Rashad Penny time. He's the one getting the work. Daryl Henderson gets hurt. It's Sony Michelle time. Cam Akers gets hurt. It's, it's Daryl Henderson time. Um, obviously with. Um, Amon Ra, he had Hawkinson go down. He had Swift go down. So he had this kind of perfect combination of both of those things. But even then, just it's not just one or the other for him right it was a it's not just contingent value that made him earn a 30 plus percent target share like (laughs) that's it you have to earn that still and it wouldn't have he wouldn't have not not anyone would have earned that right josh reynolds didn't earn that josh reynolds had contingent value at that point khalif raymond had contingent value at that point but amanra earned it right and why because he's that young player that's ascending going over the course of the young talented player over the course of uh the entire season yeah as as Bullock says rookies do not get a 30% target share no matter who is around them let alone for five straight weeks dude's a baller um no matter what pretty much um let me see here yeah uh i originally was kind of uh lazily because i because I also saw that you know Hawkinson was out, etc. Uh, I wasn't giving Amun Ra, which is the Sun God, that's what his name stands. His uh, translation of Amun Ra is Sun God. Uh, I, I wasn't giving him quite enough credit when I very first started drafting, and uh, I've recti- I've rectified that. But so he kind of had this perfect storm again of contingent value and youth and everything. But then you also had Rashad Penny, who. Well, We'll combine all these things here in a second. You have Rashad Penny, who also does have youth, not quite to the level of Amanra, but also has youth. And then running back, having a little bit more clear-cut contingent value. Rashad Penny has talent and youth. And he just, needed to, former first-round pick, he just needed to stay healthy for once, ever. Chris Carson goes down. Rashad Penny gets the, you know, full early-down role. On Seattle they also happen to have a nice playoff schedule and boom look what happens with 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 Rashad Penny as you see here on on the screen this was the fantasy playoffs last year which is really funny when you go to look at these are the you know points per game I think half point PPR half point PPR points per game in the fantasy playoffs first Rashad Penny youth and contingent value second Devin Singletary youth and contingent value <laughs> And his contingent value was more Zach Moss couldn't hack it. Matt Breida couldn't hack it. So Devin Singletary just got the full, you know, it was an ambiguous situation. It wasn't just an injury, although Zach Moss supposedly was still struggling with that ankle surgery he had in the offseason last year, which we're kind of just finding out now. But Singletary, contingent value, little bit of youth. Jonathan Taylor, just a superstar. Sony Michelle. Total contingent value wasn't even on the Rams. <laughs> wasn't even on the Rams to, to you know start camp. Gets traded when Cam Akers goes down, and then he gets the contingent value. A Little less youth, A little less youth for him. Ironically, Justin Jackson on here contingent value again, not not as much youth. But you see, like the the top ten, top fifteen, right? Donta Foreman, Donta Foreman also not on the Titans <laughs> to start the year. Rex Burkhead contingencies right um also i thought it was kind of funny that both aj Dillon and aaron jones average 12.8 points per game i mean duke johnson 12.2 points per game daryl williams 12 points per game these are all it's all contingencies and so when we're maximizing for the playoffs we're having this conversation about the playoffs right why don't we focus in so much more on the contingencies I'm not saying you can't draft JD McKissick or um, who's another kind of pass catching back. They're going by the wayside RIP James White career. They're going by the gym. And I do think Naheem Hines has some contingent value. So I don't want to throw him quite in there. Um, I, I think he would have some contingent value if, if something happened to Jonathan Taylor, but point being this contingent value stuff is like crazy right? And then again, I mean, even Fournette, who wasn't a smash in the playoffs, but if he had stayed healthy, would have been an absolute smash in the playoffs, right? Even here, I see, you know, God bless James White, but there's nothing ambiguous about his, he can't do what Leonard Fournette and Devin Singletary did, where they just earn the, it's ambiguous, and they just earn the job. That's a level of contingency that also exists in an ambiguous situation. And then, like you said, handcuffs, right? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Hunter Renfro is a really good football player, but also part of why Hunter Renfro smashes Darren Waller getting hurt and Henry Ruggs going to fucking prison. You know, so ev- I'm on raw, as you said, I'm on raw. C- you know, contingent value. So when you start to combine these things, it's like when I go through my drafts and I reach the point of we haven't even gotten to like week 17 correlation and all that bullshit if you've just drafted off youth and contingent value and then we're we're going to add in this this correlation part but if you've just drafted off youth and contingent value you could probably cover like all the upside stuff that you need obviously you're missing quarterback cuz quarterback doesn't really i mean quarterback has youth but it's not the same thing and then if you can bolt on the third bullet of correlation is like Kind of the holy grail combination of, of all these things. And, and correlation is multiple things. It is just strict inter-team correlation type stuff, right? One thing that didn't work <laughs> last year, but one thing that I was doing, um, shout out to our guy who plays tonight, Darrington Evans, but I was actively like betting against Derrick Henry, which was clearly failing miserably and then clearly succeeded given the workload, age, et cetera, of of Derrick Henry, I was making an active bet against him, and his backup was Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans was not the archetype of a player. He's much more like Naheem Hines than he is like Alexander Madison, right? And so as a backup, as a handcuff. And so the bet was that if something were to happen to Derrick Henry, I can then... Take Darrington Evans, and it's like I can take A.J. Brown or Julio Jones or Anthony Ferkser, that that type of of deal, and I have a correlated bet from within that team. Something happens, I get multiple guys that benefit because Darrington's not just going to – I mean, Derrick Henry was getting some of the most ungodly touch totals of all time (laughs) during that stretch, and Darrington Evans is just not going to get that. So what does that mean? Probably a little more passing. Now, Darrington also got hurt, and they turned to Donta Foreman, who was really good on the ground. But point, point being, there's correlated ways we can make bets within that. Darrington Evans, right? Young, Young player, contingent value. Now let's tack something else on, right? Now give me A.J. Brown. Young, not really contingent value, but potential superstar. And we start to correlate those bets. You're obviously also correlating just in general... Within a team, right? Team stacks. Everybody pretty much knows about about that type of a thing. I don't have to tell you that. If um, I'm trying to think, uh, Devonta Smith takes a leap forward, right? If Devonta Smith, because he's a former freaking Heisman winner, first round pick, superstar prospect, takes a leap this year, that's pretty good for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> You know, so that's a natural, obvious correlation. Jalen Hurts also could take a leap, right? Correlating those kinds of, you know, Tom Brady with X wide receiver is a little bit different. But when you can find that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, if Jamar Chase is a superstar, which spoiler, he is and was. Jamar Chase is a superstar. Joe Burrow, also former number one overall pick. If those two things both happen to be right. The the ceilings are correlated. More even more than just a natural quarterback wide receiver tandem, I really like that with. Uh, I really like that with uh, um, the Bills this year. Josh Allen. It's not like he can even like really go to to greater heights. But if uh, you know if Gabe takes a leap, if Isaiah McKenzie takes a leap, if Dawson Knox takes a leap, I mean, good lord, man, <laughs> the offense offense like doesn't really need excuse me, any more firepower, but Jesus Christ. Also feel that way about the Chiefs this year. They've been relying upon Tyreek Hill for such a long time, and now you have Juju, Sky, MBS, <clears throat> not so much Hardman, but you know you have more weapons. Maybe none of them individually are Tyreek. I mean, none of them are individually Tyreek Hill. But you have more weapons. If the, the culmination of those weapons, combined with the best quarterback in the league, at least the best passing quarterback in the league, like the sky is the freaking uh, you know, the ceiling the through the roof is the ceiling. So you you kind of have have that. Then obviously, lastly, you have, you know, correlating in the playoffs, right? Week 17. Um, I walk through this article is on the website. I believe it is called, yeah, maximizing but it's under under NFL. You can find Maximizing Playoff Upside for Tournaments. I won't bore you with all of the correlation thing. But I think there was, again, last year was a little bit of a perfect storm, but there's very, 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 very clear examples of why and how this correlation stuff works and specifically why and how it works. When you combine these types of players, it's not like AJ green correlating AJ green with, let me think about this. AJ green with Zeke. Last year, right? They played in week 17 last year. Zeke was fine. I'm I'm not even like shitting on Zeke, but that doesn't check any of these boxes. Zeke definitely doesn't have contingent value. Like, not really young anymore, and at least his body isn't young <clears throat> anymore. And AJ Green doesn't check any of these boxes. So yes, they're correlated for week 17, but I still never want I, I don't I don't want that combination in my portfolio. On the flip side. CD lamb or Michael Gallup, who ironically Pete and I had both of those, both of those guys on our team with James Connor or with Rondale Moore that has all, all these variables, right? And that didn't come to fruition, but what we did see come to fruition, Amon Ra and Rashad Penny. Amon Ra was the absolute stone nut, perfect storm of all these things. rookie, Talented player, um, also late-round pick, getting the contingent value, and then you correlate him with another player doing the exact same thing. Rookie, young, not rookie, what, third year? Third or fourth year, whatever the fuck Rashad Penny is. Young player, Rashad Penny, talented, with contingent value behind Chris Carson. And then they play each other in Week 17. And look what happens when that hits. You win a million dollars, right? You win a million dollars when that hits. No one is saying we're predicting all of those things, but when you stack those things up, that's what ceiling it can provide, right? The Seahawks just boat race the Detroit Lions. There was 70 70 points in that game. Was it 41-28, I think? 69 points. Nice. Should have known. Should have known. Yeah. We're struggling. Too many, too many upside ceilings, playoffs, all that. Uh, uh, we're <laughs> we're slipping over our words. But the Amon Ra and Penny thing is just the absolute perfect perfect example. On the flip side, you don't have the youthful factor, but you had Daryl Williams, who was actually the bringback. It wasn't it wasn't a, a bringback against you know Jamar Chase drops fifty in the uh, in the fantasy. Finals, and it wasn't Tyreek, and it wasn't Travis Kelsey, it wasn't Nicole Hardman, it wasn't CEH, it was Daryl Williams. Just take Daryl Williams in the last round, because when the Bengals are scoring so many points and scoring on such big plays, you're getting the Chiefs offense, and you have this, again, now Daryl doesn't necessarily check that youthful box, but he absolutely checked that contingent value box. Something happens to CEH, you have the mentor out there scoring 20, whatever, 25 fantasy points. In, uh, in the championship. So those are just some of the examples of the contingent value thing. But I think those three bullet points are like, we get lost in the playoff thing and we've joked and you know clickbaited people into the week 17 is all that matters and all that. But we sometimes lose a little bit of those. How do you get that? Like, okay, week 17 is all that matters. So the, 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 Davis Matic joke from the underdog show right about Zach Ertz and Tyler Algier is a great bit and it's very funny and if you missed it when Davis did a draft with them and just sent Josh and Hayden spiraling rightfully so very funny must go watch it but that's actually the the thing we're kind of talking about here that's a little bit missing the mark (laughs) Zach Ertz doesn't fit any of this. Zach Ertz Doesn't really have contingent value. Zacherts definitely doesn't have youth. He has the opposite. And so he had the correlation. Tyler Algier kind of has the youth and contingent value, but we're talking about a fifth-round rookie on the Atlanta Falcons. And so just lumping them together and saying week 17, oh, week 17, is a little bit missing the mark because you kind of have to start here, right? You start with the youth contingent value. The, the archetype of a player has to be there first as opposed to just, oh, they play each other in week 17. Again, going back to the AJ Green example, like I don't give a shit if AJ Green is playing a little, you know, a peewee pu- football team. I'm not drafting him in in week 17. I don't care. He doesn't fit the type of player I want to put in my portfolio. And so that correlation stuff, he's never going to, he's never going to factor in. He's never going to be high enough up on my rankings to where he fits. I'm not going to take him over Wandale Robinson just because I have, um, uh, Kyle Pitts on that team. It's just not happening. And I don't think you should either. And so those are like the big things about, um, the playoffs. I did, um, Write a little bit about about some of the week seventeen game stacks. Go check that out too. A couple of things um, of note is uh, I specifically called out two the two games that are probably two of the most popular games as you see notable games left off the list. Now they're not left off the list, but from a kind of prioritizing, you know truly prioritizing kind of uh, game stacking these these games. <clears throat> you have the Bills Bengals and the Rams Chargers. I'm actually going to start with the Rams Chargers. And the problem with the Rams Chargers is, is really just cost. Um, I love all four of these offenses. I'm drafting players from all four of these teams. But the difference from even Jags Texans that you can get super cheap, right? Lawrence, Kirk, Nico Collins, Damian Pierce, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, etc. Those types of guys that you can get super cheap with the Texans even going to stink again. Spoiler. Jags could actually be better, right? ETN, whatever. All those guys are available in that game for very affordable prices in a matchup that people are not necessarily prioritizing. The Cardinals and Falcons is actually like... It's not my favorite game, but when you factor in cost and what the market is kind of thinking about it, Cardinals-Falcons, like, I got I got a whole shitload of Hollywood-Pitts <laughs> combinations and Hollywood-London and those types of things, Rondale-London, right? Um, tons and tons of Kyler, but I don't think the market is appropriately assessing these two teams either, um, both offensively and defensively. I think um, the addition of Drake-London, I think Mar- Marcus Mariota is better than people are giving them credit for. I just think that the, the the second year in the offense for Kyle Pitts, etc., is all the Falcons' defense is going to stink. The Falcons' defense is absolutely going to stink. And the low key thing about this game, the Arizona defense, I think it's going to be worse. I think I I just I'll. Give away some betting goods. I bet I bet the Cardinals under nine wins. I, I, I don't see like six wins for this Cardinals team. They got it, I mean, the Seahawks twice. And that's about it. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure who they're gonna who this team's gonna beat. They I don't think they can beat the Rams, and I don't think they can beat the 49ers. So I just don't know where the Cardinals are gonna get wins, but that doesn't have anything to do with their offense. Kyler Hollywood, when Newt comes back, Ertz and McBride, Rondale in his second year, Connor, I think that the offense is going to be really good. I think the defense is going to be really terrible. And so super excited for that game. But again, you can see kind of how a lot of these things have those other elements to them, right? Um, Hollywood is not super young, but you have Hollywood, maybe the back, Eno Benjamin fits, right? Youth contingent value. And, and some correlation. Kyle Pitts obviously is like the epitome of 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 this game. Drake London. Um, so definitely prioritizing that one. And then we don't need to talk about too too much about Broncos Chiefs, but it has absolutely everything. Both sides have youth, contingent value. Uh, obviously the, the the correlation, and I've talked about this a lot. This would be a game that I would be targeting. Period. Point blank. Period. For every possible reason to target everyone everyone on these offenses. Uncertainty, upside youth. You know, I mean go down the list. Javante, Judy, Sutton, Alberto, KJ Hamler, Greg Dolchich. And then Melvin Gordon doesn't have the youth, but he has the contingent value. And on the Chiefs, we talked about the Chiefs a little bit. And so um you have like the the Bills, Bengals, Rams, Chargers that are just a little bit more expensive. And I also think uh people are underselling the quality of these defenses a little bit and then uh, you know cincinnati they're they're underselling a little bit of you know the weather that they might experience there. not a ton Like i mean gabe davis is my highest owned player so i'm certainly not fading these guys i'm absolutely not fading chase and higgins and and i have a lot of mckenzie etc but i'm not going out of my way quite as much like i think this game was like the headline game everybody was mentioning when it first came out, and the Bills had the number one DVOA defense last year, and the Bengals were uh, not a bad defense. Rams and I, I think the Rams defense is going to be good again, and I think the Chargers defense looks like it's going to be pretty good this year. So I think offense rules the world. Offense is really what drives the, the scoring more than just defense, right? Good offense beats good defense. But I do think um, just from a playoff upside perspective – that these games are just a, a smidge overhyped, right? Not I'm not avoiding them. Again, Gabe Davis is the high zone player. I'm definitely drafting Cooper Cup, Mike Williams, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, et cetera. But um when I'm like really trying to hone in, like say there's a tournament, I, I walk through my um Millie Maker teams on DraftKings. When I'm really trying to hone in, a little bit more on like in like one of maybe these crazy big field tournaments where I want to make sure I hit my combinations of players from games. I am prioritizing a little bit more of some of, uh, of these other games just to make sure I'm hitting everything about them. And it's a combination again of, of some of the game environment type stuff, but also those three critical elements, youth contingent value, and then correlation. Um, and then I was just going to pull up um, there's from the contingency thing. I just recently wrote wrote this where I kind of talked about again, uh, week seventeen is all that matters, and contingencies are all that matters. what's what everything is all that matters. I don't know. but um, I walked through in more detail kind of how the contingency stuff works. and I think, Youth is still to me that first pillar when we start to talk through playoff upside and just general upside over the course of the entire season. But the contingency stuff is like when you can get the youth with the contingency, I think is like, those are the players that I want to take big stands on. Right. Um, I'm not saying Kyle Pitts has big contingent value. I see, uh, uh, Bullock talking about uh, his his Kyle Pitts love like I also, like I also have. I'm not saying, but you know you lose Drake London or something like that, and Kyle Pitts it's it's all they got. it Kyle Pitts in the in the passing game, you know. So you get this young absolute superstar who gets the contingent value as well. Or on the flip side, there's Drake London, his teammate, right? Youth first wide receiver taken in the draft, young already has opportunity. If there's some kind of contingent value upside from him, boom. And then, you know, the running back stuff is, is the big one, right? That, that's, that's kind of where, you know, zero RB drafters, hero RB drafters make their, hey, how do I find Rashad Penny and Devin Singletary and James Conner and Leonard Fournette, um, Sony Michelle, those guys, right? Well, it's, it's a, a lot of the times it is your kind of handcuff or, you know, ambiguous running back situation like you see you see here and then there are some some kind of other other little minor things like um Mark Andrews is my favorite one like from an offensive identity change you can you can see teams the ravens the ravens are actually why i'm not uh, targeting andrews really this year at all I've, I've, i i he's a superstar he might be the best receiving tight end in the nfl already you know him Pitts, kelsey whatever but the ravens made a huge offensive identity shift last year out of necessity. They went from throwing the ball 400 times to Mark Andrews running 600 routes. <laughs> they didn't even throw, you know, the, the 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 leap was so absurd and it didn't work. But they had to do it because their running backs all got hurt, their offensive line got hurt. And their defense, they're, they're, they they're were playing like XFL corners and safeties. Because, I mean, they just suffered so many injuries. Uh, go look back when you have a, a minute and look at what happened to their past defense, <laughs> like the final six to eight games or whatever. But that's when Andrews smashed. And, you know, if they are going to throw 650 times, Andrews is probably going to smash. But I don't want to pay a mid-second round price personally to 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 hope that this team who has shown us that they want to go back to the run will stick to this crazy high pass rate, which doesn't make, it just doesn't pass the, the smell test, but it's an example of those kind of things that can happen, right? I bet on it, hopefully happening with Derrick Henry. It didn't, it didn't work out, but the Andrews thing is a perfect example of something that can break that way where an offense shifts their identity and that's a contingency that can, that can play out, right? It's a weird one. It's not like an injury. It's not like you earned something. It's just like your situation like just went to shit or, or just the, the the coach, you know. Something changed. Something changed about your situation. Um, And so then the last thing I was going to do is pull up my like playoff kind of exposure. Pull up my playoff exposure. So I'm up to, oh, I thought I sent my I think I have 92 teams in BBM. Uh, let me refresh real quick. So I think I, I think I have 92. Yeah. Okay. There we go. So I have 92 BBM teams um, drafted now. Just slow and steady wins the race. Working my way up to up to 150. And if I go to my exposures and we go down to the the playoff stuff, we can look kind of at just the top couple here for just just a minute. And uh, uh, before I do that, I'm gonna hit some of these, quest- uh, these questions comments. I apologize for skipping over them. They had a lot to cover. Um, let's see. <laughs> this is definitely true. Blows my mind that people still draft A.J. Green. Jason says, I feel like Keenan's archetype isn't great for best ball anyway. Keenan Allen isn't great for best ball anyway, especially when you can usually take Mike Williams instead, even without all the other factors. I totally agree. Nailed it. Nothing more from me. I definitely have no, Nez says there's just so many studs around Amon Ra. It's hard to get him. That is, I definitely don't have a problem with that. I'm, I actually don't know how much on best ball mania. I really don't think I have much. It's a nine, 9% Amon Ra. So like at the, you know, at the field basically is what I have of Amon Ra. So I feel similarly something Johnny says, something happens to AJ Brown and Devonta Smith is a smash. Yep. hundred. Um, MVS is just a tall, taller diary. God, I hope so. As you see over here, with as I sit with thirty-four percent MVS in Best Ball Mania. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. <laughs> what if Flacco is this year's Kurt Warner? Um, I, I mean, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of Jets. Yeah, when I look at my Jets. 7% Michael Carter, 18% Elijah Moore, 11% Tyler Conklin, 11% Garrett Wilson, 10% Zach Wilson, and 7% Corey Davis. No Brees for me. Um, but I, I would be cool with Joe Flacco turning into Kurt Warner given my exposures. Let's see. Another Arizona Atlanta person. CJ's starting to force Amanra. And then uh, Omar says uh, 50% Godwin is preventing me from getting any sun god. I think, uh, I think that might work itself out for you. I, I think, you know, we, Godwin, you might get uh, a little bit of steam one way or the other. I think they might end up, <clears throat> Godwin's back uh, just getting more and more work in practice. Um, I think Godwin's going to get pushed up a little bit. So we can see, you know, I haven't like specifically like planned this out and looked through this, but we can see some of the pairings <clears throat> that you'll notice. I want to do Arizona and Atlanta first, right? Just like I said, the, my main pairing, main kind of the look at, here. There's a perfect, perfect example. Hollywood is not crazy young, but you have this, youthful, who's like, Hollywood's this weird thing where he has the contingent value like to start the year. He's hard to explain. He's just a guy I'm really high on. I think he's just a perfect fit with Kyler. But you see with Hollywood and Pitts, Hollywood and London, and then Pitts and Rondale, and then obviously Kyler with London on the other side, Kyler with Pitts on the other side. What do we got? Kyler, Hollywood and Pitts. A little bit of Marcus, a little bit of Marcus Mariota uh, we've mixed in. But uh, you kind of see like where we start to come, you know. You put Kyle Pitts together with with Hollywood in the playoffs, and like that's what we're looking for. I did want to look at uh also at Denver, Kansas City. Here's Denver, Kansas City is probably the best example of all of this. Like every single possible pairing you could have with these guys is like covers all of this stuff. MVS doesn't really, you know. MVS Melvin and Kelsey don't like really have the youth. But they have the, they have the, absolutely have the, you know, the offensive situation, maybe the projection ranking, and they 100% all have the contingent upside. Um, So it's just like this, again, perfect storm of all these players in this game. And you can see like Javante S- S- and Sky. Like I can't think of like a better combination of those things. If you were to get Javante becoming two years ago JT down the stretch and Sky Moore becoming, you know, the the guy who we're taking in the second round next year because he's the breakout Chiefs wide receiver. Like I can't think of like a more a a more perfect um pairing. I take MVS a lot, obviously he, he MVS does have the contingent value in my opinion, but he also is the just the he was really, really cheap when we first started and he definitely has contingent value too. You know, something happens to one of these other guys, somebody's got to get targets. Um, oh, RIP Rojo, RIP Rojo, Rojo and Alberto, Alberto, another good one. KJ Hamler, Judy, definitely, you know, so you can see a little bit of the kind of playoff combinations. I was going to try to see, Um, uh, let's look at one of the guys, one of the groups. Here we go. Chicago and Detroit here. You want to I'll be honest with you. I I don't remember even drafting any of this, but um, Jamal Williams is definitely not what I would call youth. Um, But this one is kind of funny Two, We got two Jamison Williams, Valus Jones teams. There you go. Late round, you know, superstar first round pick coming off the ACL, Jamison Williams. And then the last round, Valus Jones to go with them. It's like, give me the youth. Give me the contingent value. even, Even though the team sucks. Um, pair those guys up. All good. Um, there's not a ton of contingent value. And has it. There's not a ton of contingent value on the on the Bears, but they are a uh, they are a kind of kind of a funny one. Another good one. Um, Jameer White, Brandon Ayuk, right? There's a pairing that is like definite youth, definite contingent value. Um, another kind of Valus, not Velas, Ayuk, zamir i I don't really like the 49ers matchup necessarily but you have if if zamir was having a you know an end of season ascension and brandon Ayuk was having an end of season uh, ascension and maybe debo or kittle goes down like that's another one you can totally see great excellent point valus is is quite old um but I, I I like drafting Velas because people have written totally totally written him off. Um, speaking of the uh, uh, Devonta Smith, Devonta Smith, yeah, here we go, another perfect one, right? The, uh, all the guys in this game, Devonta Smith and Chris Olave, perfect example. God forbid Jarvis Landry breaks down and Michael Thomas Sankles still isn't right, and AJ Brown gets dinged up again because you know AJ Brown, that's what he does. Pair those guys up together. You know that's kind of going back to the very original thing. Would anyone tell you? So even like just looking generally at my exposures, right? I I know some people don't like Gabe and some people don't like MVS. But would anyone say Daryl Henderson is a bad? Like you can't like Daryl Henderson. Like I'm trying to advance. I can't take Daryl Henderson. Like nobody thinks Daryl Henderson or Kyle Pitts. Or these guys are hurting your advance rates, right? And I'm not drafting structure. Like, I mean, 32% of my or 35% of my teams are 2682, 2772, 2673, right? All these are like all, all my teams are not crazy constructions. But it's the way I construct the players and the player archetypes together that is what then turns it into a playoff upside type team, right? As you obviously see. Sixty-seven percent zero and hero running back over here. So taking sixty-eight percent elite quarterbacks, fifty-five percent elite tight ends, and then seventy percent, you know, of of uh, anti-fragile structures, hero and zero running back, and building them in these constructions. I'm not foregoing advance rate at all, but uh, but I am. Prioritizing the archetypes that we talked about today, and then you know the the correlations and such. Uh, Tony said, "Houston." So my problem for um, Jacksonville and Houston, you see, I only have six of those. Is that, of course, it is uh, Nico and Zay. Uh, team we drafted had Nico and Zay. I'm excited about that. I am also excited uh, about that. Nico got steamed up so damn high that uh, I haven't gotten very much of him anymore. But you, you kind of see Zay doesn't have super um, youth on his side either. I guess neither does Christian Kirk, but that's a game I like. Definitely contingent value and just general value on, on those guys. It's just been difficult for me to get to uh, as, as much of that game as I really wanted to, but I'm kind of glad you pointed it out because I want to I get to some more. I'm not a Brandon Cooks guy, but I do want to get to uh, some more of that game. Anyway, that those were some examples kind of of how I've put into practice some of those pairings from within the constructs of this year's playoffs and hopefully the discussion around kind of a lot of those archetypes and how we can maybe f- find those archetypes and fit them together and use that to maximize the playoffs and and you know strategize around that in our drafts hopefully that was hopefully that was uh, helpful it was honestly helpful for me um, I joke, I kind of joke about that all the time, but I'm not really joking. That when we get on and have these strategy talks, it's like helping me work my way through these different concepts and all that. And um, I feel you know better about everything when I am done talking about it. So really, it's just selfish. You guys just get to hear me um, figure out my strategy as we go. Tomorrow, special presentation of the Friday Draft Club. Rob Coakley at King Coakley. Um, my coworker is bringing on the one and only, the guy everybody loves, Peter Overzet. Ship chasing, um, my fantasy life, all the uh, club top shot, uh, splash play, right, everything that that Pete does. You guys know him. They will be coming on tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern to draft a big dog team on underdog. So Rob and Pete. Be live here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern to draft a big dog team. So make sure you come check that out. If you have not subscribed to the Spike Week Premium Tools, like Draft IQ, I was pulling there, uh, pulling up there, like the overlays that you can use when you're draft. I really do highly recommend it. There's a link down in the description. So for me and uh, uh, for these dogs and uh, for Rob and uh, Pete tomorrow, they will see you guys later. I will see you guys very soon. Have a good weekend. If I don't talk to you later, peace.